Hola, yo soy Andrea Márquez, and this is Latinx Debate, a weekly political segment where we discuss issues that matter to us, like health, the economy, immigration, and more. With me again are Luis Gutierrez and Daniel Garza. Luis is a former Democratic congressman representing the state of Illinois, and Daniel is the president of the Libre Initiative, a nonprofit focused on informing the Hispanic community on the benefits of limited government. Daniel Luis, how are you today? Very good, Andrea. Doing terrific, Andrea. Great. So as a reminder, you each have one minute to answer each question. Let's get started. In honor of Labor Day, I wanted to talk about the job market. Last month, the national unemployment rate dropped to 8.4%, a reflection of resumed, resumed economic activity since the pandemic began. The Bureau of Labor Statistics states that 13.6 million Americans are unemployed, while 30 million are receiving some form of unemployment benefits. Daniel, how do you think that the Trump administration will work to return to pre-pandemic employment levels? Well, uh, Andrea, it, it is good to see the recovery. I mean, we are a very resilient economy. Yeah, you're right. Uh, last month, there was 1.4 million new jobs that were that were uh, created by the American people. Uh, 1.1 million of those went to Latinos. So that was like incredible, right? Um, and, and, and since March, I think there's been like over 10 million jobs that have actually uh, been recovered. Look, our economy is, is massive. I mean, the economy of New York and New Jersey is bigger than the economy of Russia and, and, and the economy of Los Angeles County is bigger than the entire uh, uh, economy of Mexico. What, what we need to do is supercharge productivity. With productivity comes then jobs. And how do we supercharge productivity? Get government out of the way. Less regulation, less taxes, uh, less rules and mandates. Uh, the, the telehealth situation is a perfect example of that, where before uh, industry would prohibit um, folks from actually getting seen by their, their doctors uh, by, by, by computer. And now they can. And, and this has opened up avenues and improved healthcare. I mean, we've seen this president mismanage. And this is universally accepted uh, across the United States of America that the president has mismanaged uh, the response. First, he said he was the commander in chief. Then he said, let the states do it. Then he said, this is a small problem. It's going to evaporate. Wait for warm temperature to come. Unscientific. Then he said there were these cures, all proven to not be cures. He said it's something we don't have to worry about. Refuse to wear a mask. As a matter of fact, he said 99%, and I'm using quotes here, Andrea, 99% of the American public, even if they got it, really would nothing would happen to them. This is downplaying. And that's why. Here's what's happened to Latinos. They've been the most impacted group of any for COVID-19. Number two, they fear losing their health care coverage now and their job. And number three, they don't want their kids to have to uh, be outside of the school. And that's what the mismanagement of COVID-19 has required. Uh, Andrea, if, if I could respond to that, um, the, the thing about mismanagement being universal, I, I, I don't believe that. Uh, look, uh, we know that the the COVID situation, positive results have actually uh, fallen uh, by half since July. Um, at the same time, I think it's this administration that uh, helped to, to uh, develop 100 million ventilators, 90 million uh, new tests that went out to Americans uh, to, to uh, check for, for positive or negative uh, results. At the same time, they've worked with the private sector uh, on gloves, on masks, on, on making sure that we have uh, nobody who needs a ventilator has actually uh, been left without one. 
Um, there's been, of course, you know, the, the legislation that approved massive funding uh, to, to help people out. So, so uh, the, the, there has been a massive response to this by the administration. I'm not here defending Republicans or Democrats. I'm just saying the facts here. Well, the facts are, um, Andrea, that today there are 40,000 people being infected on a daily basis. The fact are that the projections now are that 400,000 people will die. The fact is the most dangerous place in the world huh, for COVID-19 is regrettably the United States of America. We have 5% of the population and 25% of the deaths and the infection. We have done a terrible job. This president has also misled, and now he's saying, let's get a vaccine before election day. Huh? Let's remind everybody what happened when we had to get a vaccine before Gerald Ford's election in 1976. Tragedy. Let, let's talk a little bit about pre-pandemic. So we saw our lowest levels of unemployment in decades, while Hispanics and African-Americans also experienced record low unemployment. So Luis, should minorities be grateful to the Trump administration for lowering the unemployment rate prior to the pandemic? Here's what I think, and here's what we see. If you evaluate, Andrea, in the last three years of Obama, more jobs were created than in the first three years of Donald Trump. In other words, there has been a continuum of the Obama economy. That's the economy that Donald Trump uh, was got when he became president. Unlike the economy that Obama got, where millions of jobs were sometimes lost in a single month, which he inherited from George Bush, the Republicans. So what I would say is that this is a continuum. And Donald Trump being Donald Trump will take credit for other people's achievements. But now, 10 million jobs, 20 million lost because of the poor response to the pandemic, 10 million of them still lost. And Latinos suffering more than any other group in the United States of America. Daniel, what do you think? I, I don't know if grateful is the right word. Um, I think this is what we should expect from our government is to get out of the way to, to I think, restrain politicians and regulators uh, should be the norm. And we should hold them accountable when they, when, uh, they um, don't actually uh, allow us to keep more of our money in our pocket when they don't regulate us. Uh, the, I, think, I think what's important here to see, uh, Andrea, is that we did have record unemployment. We did have record labor participation rates. We did have uh, record wage growth. But that, that came as a result of, of government regulating less, putting less rules, less mandates, and, and uh, unleashing the productivity of the American people through more innovation, through less rules. And, and I think one of the important uh, lessons that we learned was on, on telehealth, you know, where before we were restricting you know, folks from getting the kind of medical services that they needed uh, via computer. And, and now they can do that. And, and that has allowed a lot of uh, uh, elderly folks to get the kind of service, quality care that they need. And so we should continue these kind of reforms uh, more so than less so. 43%, four out of 10 Latinos live in poverty in the United States of America. It's nothing to be proud about. And we have nearly 10 million, right, undocumented. I know some of your followers like to call them illegal aliens, including people that work at Initiative, eh, eh, Libre Iniciativa. Um, but I call them undocumented workers, right, um, who need, who have been exploited, have been sidelined because there have been no movement about this from this administration. I'm solving the immigration issue that we have. I, I believe 100 percent that instead of uh, concentrating on redistributing somebody else's earned wealth, 
We should redistribute knowledge, education, equal opportunity, allow folks who have uh, to develop their skills, remove the barriers that are keeping them from the marketplace and better opportunity. And that means uh, teaching our folks English. Only 30 percent, 30 percent in our community do not speak English. Th that's a barrier. 33% of Latino adults do not have a high school diploma. That's a barrier. In some states, 50% don't have a driver's license. That's a major barrier. And citizenship, you're absolutely right, Congressman. I am all for uh, developing these skills, redistributing talent, skill, equal opportunity in the marketplace so that then they can uh, um, uh, benefit, I think, from better opportunity and, and achieve the American dream. So let me ask you both that right now, Daniel, that you're talking and uh, Congressman, because of the pandemic, it takes all of us to be working together in order to be safe and healthy. And essential workers experience significantly greater exposure in their day-to-day -day lives, just so that the rest of us were able to quarantine safely. And essential workers are hailed as heroes now. Um, so, Daniel, do you think that undocumented and essential workers should receive the same help as others? Uh, look, I, I believe that when there is a government-imposed restriction or limitation or quarantine um, that impacts the individual, then th that individual should be compensated somehow, some way, in order for them to comply. And in this case, I think that you're right. that They are taking uh, the brunt of the, uh, of the sacrifices and bearing more of the burden. And I, I think uh, that the government should remedy the, 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 the or uh, mitigate the losses that, that, that they're feeling uh, or, or that they have um, endured because of, of a government imposed restriction. So, so yes, in that sense, I thought it was a, a travesty that American citizens married to undocumented folks did not receive that, that, that check that everybody else got. Uh, it, that's discrimination. Uh, I, I, I thought that was uh, unjust and we, we have moved to remedy that uh, working with uh, Senator Marco Rubio, uh, proposing law to 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 uh, fix that travesty. Look, Luis, what do you um, think? yeah, here's what I think. I think that uh, Daniel and um, the Libre Initiative do a great job of uh, being for immigrants, um, but at the same time supporting the Republican Party, which is anti-immigrant. I, I have to tell you, they're very skillful in that. So I'm I'm happy they support it. Um, we support some Democrats. Well, all of your operatives are Republicans that work on your staff and have worked like you for people like George Bush. You're a Republican organization. Let's not just like I'm a Democrat. No. Um, and so the bi well, the bipartisanship kind of stops. Your your C4 has attacked many Democrats. I haven't seen them attack any Republicans. Having said that, um, I think what we should do in this case is say very clearly, let's have comprehensive immigration reform so people like Donald Trump can no longer deny workers in this country, essential workers in this country, like the undocumented, from the resources that they. Remember something, there isn't a line at the grocery store at the gas station when you go buy something that says you don't pay taxes or you rent an apartment you don't pay. Undocumented people pay hundreds of millions of dollars in taxes. They should get the benefits of that money. Thank you, Luis and Daniel. That was our time. This was Latinx debate. Remember to text Votamos or Latinx to 52886 to register to vote or verify that you have registered. You can also follow Latinx on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Latinx or learn more at wearelatinx.com. With me today is Teresa Romero, the first 
Latina immigrant woman to be president of the United Farm Workers. Thank you, Teresa, for being with me today. Thank you, Andrea, for having us. It's an honor for me to be here with you. And I, it's especially important and an honor for me to have you because I think before the pandemic, we we were we took for granted that we always had food on our tables. And then when we started realizing how much farm workers have to go through and that they're literally risking their lives every single day to be able to provide food for us. Um, it's especially important to be highlighting and, and talking about these things so that it doesn't need to get to a pandemic for us to um, give these farm workers the importance and the rightful conditions that they deserve. You know, Andrea, that is so true. Um, farm workers, all of us in the United Farm Workers and the movement and many uh, supporters and consumers and people like you have understood that farm workers are essential. Mm -hmm. um, right now, the, the uh, federal government has recognized them as, as essential, but they're not treated as such. Uh, they're excluded from any benefits, from any programs that uh, the federal government has to um, support uh, our, our communities in, in these uh, times that are so hard. Uh, farm workers, uh, like you said, they're there day in and day out. They're working right now here in California under uh, uh, circumstances that are very difficult. Temperatures of a over 100 degrees, you know, for the last three weeks, fires, um, the, the air quality that is so difficult. And unfortunately, um, even if we have some uh, legislation or benefits that we are able to negotiate and get for farm workers, the enforcement is the problem. I think it's really important to, first of all, think from La Red Hispana, from Latinx, to thank all of these farm workers and to thank you for being with us and representing them. And can you tell me a little bit about what policies and uh, or what needs to be put in place to help improve the qualities and conditions of farm workers? It, it, enforcing them, it's not that difficult if, if the state or federal authorities would take the responsibility to inform and enforce. Mm -hmm. The problem becomes when we are, we, and I mean the, the union, uh, we are informing the workers of their rights, and then they are the ones that have to speak for themselves, and uh, they are fired. We have right. a case here in the current, current county, a, a pistachio company who has, I don't know, 400 workers that many of them reached out to us. They were desperate. They were infected with COVID. They were forced to work. And when we told them what their rights were and started bringing attention in media uh, to, to what was happening, um, the, the, the employer fired them. And unfortunately, and you know, the, the workers can sue. The, but we're talking about time that they don't have. They have a family to support. These workers don't make a lot of money. These uh, uh, farm workers that are not under contract uh, are, are uh, with no benefits whatsoever. And, and sometimes for them to ask for their rights, um, the, price, the price that they uh, pay is very high. In these upcoming elections, what would you like to see in terms of 
changing how we treat farm workers and especially undocumented farm workers. You know, Andrea, uh, we worked with um, major grow organizations last year and negotiated a bill uh, to legalize uh, farm workers, their spouses, if they're not working in the fields, and their children are under 26 uh, years old. It passed the House for the first time ever with bipartisan support. Uh, this, they, this is because they understand that this workforce is vital for the agricultural industry. A lot of people think that farm workers is just labor work and anybody can do it, but it is not. They're professionals. They understand different crops. They understand what needs to be done, done when and how. And I can guarantee you that you and I could not do that work more than one day, and not even probably a day. So right now, what we need to make sure is that all of us engage and understand we are all consumers. We all uh, enjoy the fruits and vegetables and the milk, milk and the beef and the poultry that we that these workers uh, have to work day in and day out. So let's let's be conscious about it. Let's support the work that we do. Let's let's uh, tell uh, these these. Um, employers, if that they're supporting the farm workers, we're not going to buy you products. We, the Latinos in this country, have a lot of power. La young Latinos in this country, country have a lot of power. And I hope they use it um, this November to vote. Thank you. That's a very important message because um, Latinos have the power to change and decide the elections um, and to be a major voice. So uh, representing our parents, representing everyone who's come before us, I think one of the more, most important messages is to go out and vote. And if you can't, Absolutely. tell everyone you know that can vote to go out and vote. Exactly. I think uh, us as Latinos and Latinas, we can and we will be able to make a difference. But the problem is that many people don't want to go out and vote. They say my vote doesn't count and it is right. not true. And let's do it at every level, not just at the, the federal level, the present level, but we need to vote on any election that affects our communities, our cities, our states, our country. We need to be acting, active and engaged. That's right. Thank you so much, Teresa, for being with us. And it, again, it's an honor and thank you for all of the work that you've been doing. This was our fourth episode of Latinx Debate. I'll be seeing you again next week.